This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. I'm good at doing this now. When I get something like that, I Google it. I'm getting good at this. And I Google and it come up with a song. There is an actual song. And then I played it and I thought, oh, I've heard that on Vision Radio. So, so it's all out there. But there is a song like Black Hawk, Hawk someone sings a song. And, and when I listened to it and I looked at the words, it's all what I had down anyway. So we could have just had the song. But anyway, it would have been better than listening to me. But however, this started one morning when just laying in bed. I should have been getting up, but I wasn't. I was laying there and I was just thinking and letting my mind think about the things of God. And then in my mind I seen this hand put into the dirt and it pulled out this rock. And I thought, oh, what's that? And the word came back, it's a diamond. And I said, it doesn't look like a diamond to me. It is, it's a diamond. When that's put into a master jeweler's hand, it can be made into a diamond, something beautiful, a beautiful diamond. When it's put into the master jeweler's hand and he knows the process that it goes through to make it into something perfect, it'll reach that perfection. So I looked it up again to see what is the process that a rock goes through to become a diamond. And I discovered that it's molten lava that's come out of a volcano hundreds of years ago, flowed out, and then it's pressed down as the weight of other lava and all the other things that come upon it. And through the weight and the cooling, that lava becomes a really, really hard rock. The lengthy process that needs to be cleaned, needs to be cut, shaped, polished, and because diamond is the hardest material on earth, the only thing that will cut it is another diamond. So we've got blades now that are diamond coated and diamond tipped and they can use that to cut another diamond because it's so hard. Yes, it's just a hard piece of rock, but when the master jeweler gets a hold of it, he can see something beautiful. Because after it's been cleaned, what he does, the jeweler puts it under a microscope and he looks at it from every angle before he even touches it so that he can see what's going to be the best shape that I can get out of this diamond. He doesn't just hack into it. He puts it under a microscope and then he examines it so that he can get the best piece out of it that he can. When he does that, he can turn it into something beautiful which reminds me of an old song we used to sing, something beautiful, something good, all my confusions he understood. Anybody been there? All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. At one stage we were all broken as we remember what happened on Good Friday. Remember this coming Friday, Good Friday, all the churches in town will be meeting up here at the park 10 o'clock Friday morning and we will be celebrating what Jesus did on that cross. He allowed his body to be broken that our bodies could be healed. He took on himself our brokenness and he gives us healing and deliverance and he took that brokenness on himself. That's our saviour. That's the one who loves us so much. He is our King of Kings. So don't forget Friday, 10 o'clock down here at the park for Easter Saturday, Easter Friday, Good Friday service. 
all of my brokenness and strife, that he made something beautiful of my life. You know, carbon, that molten lava is, a, is carbon, becomes a diamond when it's under pressure and left there to cool. And this led me to one of my favourite scriptures. I know I've got lots of favourite scriptures, but this is one of them. 2, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 speaks heaps to me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Lord. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Is anybody in Christ? You're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. God did this for us to reconcile us back to the Father. Anyone who is in Christ, when I read that, I just felt that someone here today needed to hear that, that when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Your past has been dealt with. He's dealt with all of your brokenness and your strife, and he has given you a new heart that you can live for him as a new creation, a brand new man in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we believe in Jesus and commit our lives to him, making him the Lord of our lives, we become a new creation. Instead of being self-centered, we are now Christ-centered, living to please him and not self, walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. The relationship with God that was broken at the fall through Adam and Eve is now restored through Christ Jesus in Christ, we go through a transformation that results in an entirely new being on the inside. Pastor Peter brought out last night about the plank of wood. I thought that was excellent. Is he listening online today? That was an ec excellent description. We, we get all twisted and bent about the scratches on the end, but it's still a good piece of wood. It's on the inside. We look at the external, don't we? But God looks at the heart. We can fix the scratches. We can make the outside look good again. But God, only God changes the heart. We become a brand new being on the inside when we're born again. When we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are instantly saved. But the perfecting work of our lives is an ongoing thing. You know, I had a friend once. He was Christian. He was a good man. But he still had a few habits that were still a little bit, bit rough. And somebody said, oh, he's... He's like an uncut diamond. You know, it reminded me of the saying, you know, people say, oh, he's a, he's a rough diamond, that bloke. You know, he's still got some rough edges, but his heart was right. And that's what we need to bring out is that heart's right. But there's some things in our lives still that God wants to work on. There's still a few rough edges. Which bring me now, the first point is that what sharpens the rough edges? Let's turn to Proverbs 27, Proverbs 27, verse 17, well-known scripture that we skip over it sometimes because it's not what we want to hear. 17, no, 27, 17 of Proverbs. Iron sharpens iron. Man sharpens another. You take two pieces of iron and you rub them together. They can be rough, they can be blunt, but if you rub them together long enough, they'll become smooth and sharp. But if you've ever done it, you'll realize after a while it becomes very hot and there's a lot of sparks. And there's two ways we can look at this this morning. One is you get one man's anger coming up against another man's anger. There will be heat and there will be sparks. 
and the outcome won't be good. But this morning I want to look at it the other way. I want to look at it in a positive way. Two friends helping each other to encourage and sharpen each other. That's a whole different way of doing it. This is the way I want to look at it this morning. If we turn back to verse 6 of that same chapter, it says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted because a friend loves at all times, does he not? So that a rebuke from a friend is a kindness because it helps to sharpen us, it helps to build our character. And that's what God's wanting to do in our lives is to build our character. God can use the wounds of a friend to sharpen us, to motivate us and to provide us with an accountability to each other so that we will stay on course. However, true victory, lasting progress comes only from God himself because only the blood of Jesus can give us forgiveness of sins. But the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, that's what reveals things in us. It reveals things in our lives that we need to change. So it's that work of the Holy Spirit that brings those things to the surface, those rough edges. And not only does he bring it to the surface, but he also enables us and equips us to do something about it. Sometimes that can be through another person. I've learned over years that a sharpened tool works much better than a blunt one, much better. Now, there's a time that reminded me of a time when there was, uh, you know, I'm one of eight in our family, so after school we all had jobs to do. This this night I was told to go and get the wood in, and for some reason, I don't know what had happened, whether something happened on the way home from school, I don't know, but I was was not in a good mood. And I picked up the axe, and as I'm walking out to the wood heap, the hose is laying on on the lawn. And for some indescribable reason, I chopped the hose up in lengths, just nice lengths for Dad to use. He was at the dairy. He'd seen what I was doing, and he come. Now, my sharpening that day wasn't iron on iron. It was hose on backside. But I tell you, I have never cut the hose up ever again. Discipline at the right time, done in the right way, works. God is saved. There's another saying as well. I've heard that sandpaper is good for smoothing off rough edges, but some people can be sandpaper to, to our souls. I've had a few over the years been sandpaper, but I, I must confess that it has never, ever turned out for bad because it revealed things in it and it's taken edges off me that needed to be taken off. So we, we have a choice in all of this. Now, I could let these sandpaper, sandpaper people irritate me or I can let it teach me to grow and mature, to be more Christ-like, to take off some of my rough edges, which, believe it or not, there were many. There still are, still are quite a few. But we're getting there. God's still working on me. Second point is this. How does God refine and shape us? How does God refine us and reshape us? Let's turn over to Isaiah 48. Isaiah 48, verse 10. Isaiah 48, verse 10. See, I have refined you, though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. God allows us sometimes to go through fiery trials. We'll test our faith. This is the whole object of trials that God allows is to test our faith. It'll cause us either to run to God and to seek his protection, his deliverance, his healing, 
or we'll give up and say, it's all too hard, I'm going home. Let's test that faith. God's looking for a steadfast faith that we will stand no matter what trials we're under. It also is used for refining and purifying. Let's turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1 verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all, all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith, which is greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proven genuinely, genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's how he refines us. Like metals like gold and silver, you know, they're put into a, a furnace, into a, a place where they get so heated. I did look up the temperature they bring it to. It's quite hot. I can't remember what it was. But it's extremely hot. And when these metals are in that heated molten state, all the impurities in it all comes to the surface and then it is gently scraped off and then they'll heat it again and stir it and then they'll leave it and more impurities come to the surface and it's scraped off until it's pure. And you're not, I don't know about you, but I don't like going through those fiery trials. It's not a, it's not a happy time, but the reason for it is designed to reveal those impurities in our lives that as they come to the surface when we're under pressure, when it's easy to be a happy, happy when everything's going good, but when we're under pressure, when something happens that we're not, we didn't either see coming or we weren't ready for it or something, but we're in a place where we're really in the fire, we're really under pressure, that that's when what's in here will come to the surface. And that's when we go, like King David, go to the Lord, go to the throne and seek the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that can take that off and he brings that healing and that deliverance in our, in our lives. He's making us more pure. The whole process of this, that God is wanting to get those things out of our lives, that we'll be more like him. He's reshaping. We want to be good reflectors of Christ to the world. Now, this is not a judgment. This is not God's judgment. This is God's love. He loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us in that place. He's bringing us to a place of purity and perfection. He's preparing his bride when he comes back. Our reshaping can happen under heat. Like you see iron on a blacksmith's anvil, heats it so it's soft. Sometimes he uses a little hammer. Sometimes he uses a sledgehammer. Now, there's times in our lives God might have to use a sledgehammer because his goal is he wants to get us to the shape that he wanted us to be. We're all different. We've all got different goals. We've all got different gifts. And God wants to shape us and mould us to be that perfection that he's called us to be. He's reshaping us. God said in Ezekiel that he would give his people a new heart. He would put a new spirit within them. He would take out their heart of stone and he would give them a heart of flesh. This is a, this is a pliable, teachable heart that God can shape and use to receive his word, his spirit, and will transform our lives and make us more Christ-like. The whole idea is to make us more like him. There's another reshape is in, the, in Jeremiah 18. talked about the clay, Jeremiah 18, the clay on the potter's wheel. Remember a piece of clay, it's soft, just a big blob of clay, nothing. But in the master potter's hand, he can reshape that and he can make it into something beautiful. 
because he knows what what to do. He knows how to shape it. He knows how to look after it. He knows how to heat it. He knows how to glaze it to make it into something beautiful. And that's what God wants to do with our lives. He reshapes us to be what seems best to him. He created us. We are his workmanship. And when we surrender and submit to him, he refines and he reshapes us to carry out the work that he has for us to do. You know, we're all called to do his work. We're called to do what he has placed on our hearts. I can't do your work, you can't do mine. We have to seek his will for each of our lives. But in that calling, in that equipping, he's allowing us to grow and to be more like Jesus. He wants to grow us. He wants to mould us. He wants to mature us. He wants to turn us into a vessel that he can use. My third point is, who's the one, who is the one that can make us like a diamond? Who is the one that can make us like a diamond? Only Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Let us turn to Matthew 21. This is Jesus speaking, Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. Matthew 21, 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt. By her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees, spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now this day, today, Sunday, is Palm Sunday. When we remember that day on that Sunday when Jesus came riding on a colt into Jerusalem, announcing that the king has come. If the people had realised and understood what the prophet had said, they would have known who it was who was riding into the city, but they missed it. See, when Jesus entered that, that, that day on riding on the donkey, it was a lowly animal. It was, a, it was like he was coming in there on a colt. Like, it wasn't even the donkey. It was the, the colt of the donkey, a lowly position, coming in humility. But the crowd weren't looking for that. They were looking for an all-conquering king coming in riding on a horse. The Romans had been in rule and they were thought, this is it. The king's come. The Romans are going to be defeated. Our saviour, our deliverer is here. But Jesus didn't come like that. He came riding on a donkey. He came into Jerusalem as a sacrificial lamb to be sacrificed on a cruel cross, which is what we will be talking about on Friday. He didn't come as the all-conquering king. He came as a sacrificial lamb 
Like I said before, he came to take away our brokenness, our lostness, took it upon himself, and he offered to us healing. He offered to us salvation and deliverance. There's a big but in there. When he comes back, let's turn to Revelation 19. I like the buts because when Jesus came the first time, it wasn't the end of the story. It was the beginning of the story for us because it enabled us to come back into the kingdom of God. Revelation 19, verses 11 to 16. But when Jesus comes back, he will return on a horse and he will be the all-conquering king. Verse 11. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. His name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sword which will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress and fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what we've got to look forward to. I believe those ones it says there, will, the ones coming with him will be dressed in fine linen, white and clean. What is the robe that Jesus promised for those who believe in him? A robe of righteousness, whiter than snow. I believe that's all of his saints that have gone before and they will return with him dressed in their robes of righteousness, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Which brings me back to my, the message of making us diamonds. We are, we are living in between that time when he first came and when he's going to return. We are living in that period of time. It's called time of grace. It's a time of salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. Salvation comes immediately that we believe in Jesus, but that outworking power of the Holy Spirit still has work to do. There is an ongoing work, and it will keep happening until we go home. But God is perfecting his bride. Remember, it's going to be, there's going to be a perfect bride to meet the Saviour when he comes. You might all be pretty near there, but I've still got a few in here that needs to be working on. You know, that's why the, the cutter has got diamond tips so I can work on me. Sanctification is a renewing work that's done in our lives by the Holy Spirit, renewing us from our fallen nature. Our sins are cleansed by the blood of, of Jesus, but our lives are being renewed daily through the Holy Spirit. That's found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24. We won't look that up just now. Now it's, it's in this present time that we are being changed from a hard rock and into something beautiful like a diamond. There's a process going on in all of our lives. Jesus makes us into that beautiful rocket. It's in the everyday events of life. It's in those times that we have opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to change us on the inside. Trials and the hardships we face may be all different. What you're going through will be different than what I'm going through. They're all different, but they all have the same purpose, and that is to create in us 
someone more like Jesus, that we can be like him and be a good reflector of him to the world. We don't want to be known as a rough diamond. We want to be seen as someone who's been smoothed off a little bit and we want to shine for Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want my works to be shining for him, not glorifying me. I don't want to be shining. I want him to be shining in me, to bring glory and to bring honour to him. In these trials, it's a testing of our faith. What do we really believe? Where's our heart really at? We have a choice. We can either choose to allow them to make us bitter or better. It's our choice. We're all going to face trials. We're all going to face situations that are hard. But what are we going to choose to allow them to do? It's our choice. So through life we are shaped, sharpened, that we can shine for Jesus. He touched our lives and he makes a difference. It's his touch on our lives that makes a difference. Who likes poetry? Good. Hardly any. So I'm in a good place. <laughs> I'm not a poet. So I've got to read it because I can't remember. And but you all know this anyway. Most people know this anyway. You know the old violin. Everyone heard that one. Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it hardly worth his while to waste his time on this old violin. But he held it up with a smile. What am I bid, good people? He cried. Who starts the bidding for me? One dollar. One dollar. Do I hear two? Two dollars. Who makes it three? Three dollars once. Three dollars twice. Going for three? But no. From the room far back, a grey-bearded man came forward, picked up the bow, then wiping the dust from the old violin, tightening up the strings. He played a melody, pure and sweet, as sweet as the angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quite low, said, What now am I bid for this old violin? He held it aloft with his bow. One thousand, one thousand, do I hear two? 2,000, who makes it three? 3,000, 3,000 twice, going and gone, said he. The audience cheered, but some of them cried, we just don't understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand, as many a man with life out of tune, all battered and bruised with hardship, is option cheap cheap to a thoughtless crowd much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice. He's going and he's almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and changed in its wrought by the, t- by the touch of the master's hand. No soul, Jesus said, is not worth saving. No matter where you're from, what your background is, Jesus sees you as worth saving. He gave his life. And when he puts his touch on your hand, no matter how dusty, scratched, battered and worn you are, when he comes and fine-tunes you, you become something special in his hand. He can play a beautiful tune with your life because of his touch on your hand. We have a choice. We can allow him in and tune us and clean us and make us new on the inside so that we can shine for him or we can reject him and say, I don't want that. And we keep going down the road of destruction. But Jesus' arms are stretched out to each one of us. 
He wants to call us into his kingdom because he loves us. He's our saviour, our redeemer. And that first song we had today, one of the, the lines said, I thank the master. And that's what we need to do. We need to thank the master for what he's done in our lives. We, we may have messed up. We may have come from a really bad background. We may have had things in our lives that happened to us that were out of our control. But whatever has happened in our journey of life, when the master touches our lives, he can make something new. He can turn us from a rough diamond into a beautiful diamond that will shine for him. Whichever way the light shines on it, it reflects his beauty. And so no matter where you're at, what job you're in, what home you're in, wherever you're at, you can shine for Jesus. Whatever environment, his light will shine for you. I'd like to finish off now with James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 12. It says that blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when we have stood the test, he will receive a crown of life that God promised to those who love him. I don't know about you, but I would love to receive that crown of life. And no matter what works I do, they're nothing but filthy rags. It's him in me. It's his good works that makes us new. It's that blood of Jesus. And when we do things now, we still want to do good works, but we're doing it now for him, to make him shine, to bring glory, to bring honour to him. And when we get called home, we will receive that crown of glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your many blessings to us. Thank you, Lord, that you make us shine. It's you in us. Forgive us, Lord, for those times when you've tried to knock off those rough edges and we've resisted and sometimes we've become irritated and upset by things that are going on. Father, we come back and we bow down at your feet and say, Lord, please do that work in us. I want to be more like you. I want to be a good reflector of you to the world around us. I want people to see that there's a God who loves them and cares for them. So, Lord, to you I give all the praise. I give all the glory. In Jesus' wonderful name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.